Happy New Year, right? Amen, right? So I was, I was talking to Carol this last week, and I was thinking about 2020 and moving into 2021, and certainly we have hope for 2021, but it's kind of like this. This is my perception of it. It's like 2020 was, you knew you had to have an operation, and you kind of were kind of going through the misery of it, and then you finally had the operation in 2020. And then 2021 is, you had the operation, good news, but now you have to kind of recoup, you know, you've got to kind of move back into health and it's going to take a little bit of time to get back in. You have to rehab a little bit. And I think that's what the first part of 2021 is going to be, but we'll make it together. And uh, I want to talk to you about change today. And this is a great day to talk about it because uh, whether you're in the house or you're, you're joining us online, the new year is a great time to think about how can we change our lives because I don't think any of us wants to remain the same well maybe some of you do but um, think about this if I were to ask you um, if you could change one thing that's that's going on in your life right now that you're really not proud of you're really not feeling good about what would that be maybe it's a personality flaw you're you're a little harsh you're a little angry you, you may be a little sketchy, a little dishonest, or selfish. And you say, you know, I really don't want to be that way. I want to change. How do I do that? Or maybe it goes a little different. Maybe you, you have an internal struggle with fear or anxiety or depression or regret. And maybe you say, you know, I would love this next year to be a year that, that I'm getting a little bit more control in that area of my life. Or maybe... It's uh, an addictive behavior. Maybe you have a, a, you know, an alcohol or drug or even a food or a sexual addiction that you would say, you know, I really, really need to get past this. I really need to grow in this area and develop in my, my life. And you may be sitting there going, you know, I walked in, I felt pretty good, but now since you've laid all that stuff on me, I'm feeling kind of okay, <laughs> not so good. So that's what we want to talk about. This weekend we want to look at how do we have real, substantial, ongoing change in our lives. And one of the best times, they say two of the best times of the year that people generally look to change things in their lives is at the beginning of a new year, which is where we're at, or their birthday. So unless it's your birthday, everyone else, we all have something else that would encourage us to, do some, to make some change. So let's talk about how we can change this year. Because God wants us to change. He doesn't want us to remain the same. He wants us to change. So what are some common myths, though, about change? Things that we kind of have heard, we assume, and we think they're true, but they're really not. Number one, sometimes we think change happens automatically. Um, and it doesn't. I mean, it would be nice if it did, but it doesn't. Change takes time. Change takes assistance. You really can't change on your own. You need help. You need others. And that's why Philippians encourages us. It says, and Paul says in Philippians 1.6, He who began a good work in you will carry it to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Now, it would be nice the day that we gave our hearts and our lives to Jesus that he fixed us completely, right? He just took us from the... the, the uh, the house that was a mess, and he, he did a makeover, and it's just like, oh, we're new, you know. 
but it's a process and it takes time. And that's the hard part, right? We want to change and sometimes it takes longer than we want it to. You can't change overnight. Secondly, some people think change happens if I just learn more, get more information, get more informed. And I think that's, I heard this on the news today. Don't make a political statement out of it. It's just, it's just an illustration. Let it, let it go. Um, but I heard that some healthcare workers are questioning whether they want to get the vaccine. And the, this is the point I want you to hear. Now, I don't want you to focus on that. I want you to focus on this. And the commentator was saying, well, they just need to be educated more. And I'm going, no, I don't think that's really their problem. I think they pro pretty much know more than I do. And they've decided one way or the other, whether I agree with them or not, they've, I don't think education is going to fix it. But we have this mentality that all we need to do is educate people. Because once they're educated, they'll do the right thing. They'll think the right way. And that's not always the case. Notice what Paul says. He says, therefore, my dear brothers, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but also more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. So Paul clearly says that we have to work at this. This is not just gaining knowledge or information. There's going to be some hard work that has to take place if we're going to change. Um, we, don't, we do need information, but we need more than information. Sometimes we need to do, we actually need to do something to change, right? Uh, and then the, the, one of the myths we often hear, you know, this is really strong in American Christianity and the idea that I don't really need others, I just need me and Jesus. And, you know, change can't happen alone. Um, Paul writes these words in Colossians 3, verse 12 through 14. He says, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And all of these virtues uh, and over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let me ask you a question. How do you love how do you have patience? How do you have gentleness? How do you have humility and compassion? How do you forgive? And how do you grow in that if you're not part of community? The answer is you can't. Unfortunately, these, you have to be in community to grow in these, in these, in these things. Uh, you can't grow in compassion, kindness, and all these things alone. You need others. Um, we need to live in community to develop these traits of the Spirit. Um, some people say, well, no, change happens, and I just sit there. And you've heard this expression, uh, it was, you know, it's kind of been popular within Christianity, let go and let God, right? You just have to let go and let God do the work in you. And Hebrews chapter 10 says this, and a couple of the other verses I've already read kind of push back a little bit on this idea. Uh, let us consider, Paul says, or the writer of Hebrews, let us consider how we may spur uh, one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up, meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another on all the more is that you see the day approaching. So this very clearly shows that there's something we have to do. We have to energize this. We have to act. We have to do something. It can't be just us you know, just kind of hanging back on our couch and saying, okay, Lord, I'm letting go. No, you go ahead and just fix me. It doesn't work that way. We need to participate in our spiritual change. 
All right, so let's look at our passage today. It's Ephesians chapter 4, starting at verse 17. And I want to read this. Now, Paul is going to mention, as you're turning there, I want just to give you a kind of context. He uses the word Gentiles in a pejorative way. And basically what he's doing, he's not saying all Gentiles are this way, but he's essentially saying that the traits of the, you know, it's the same as you calling them pagans. He's essentially saying this is the way the pagans act, but it's not the way that you should act. All right, that's how he's using it. So understand that when we read this. Uh, so uh, let me read it, this passage to Ephesians 4, 17. He says this, So I tell you this, and insist on it in the Lord, that you may no longer live as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. That, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and, when you, and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to the former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, and to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So basically, uh, our passage, Paul says, there's two things that are happening here. Really, there's three. He says, first, you need to put off the old man and you need to put on the new man and you need to change the way you think. So that's what we want to look at. We want to look at those three steps and just kind of take them together. So follow along with me as we look at these steps to change. The first step is very clear. And the steps aren't difficult, but you have to take them together. You have to do them together. The first step is to put it off. You have to put a line, uh, draw a line. You have to put a stake in the ground. And you have to decide, I want to change. As I said before, today is a great day for change for everyone in this room, for everyone online. Today is the day. Whether you're watching online or whether you're live here, Today is the day for change for you. You have to decide today is the day. And beginning of a new year is a great time to initiate new change in your life. This is the day to do it. Um, Paul tells us very simply, he says that we are to put off the old self. Now, that's an interesting phrase because if you know anything about Paul, and especially Romans 6, Paul says this old man that we're supposed to put off is dead. Now, why are we putting off someone who's already dead? Why do we have to put off the old man when we're told by Paul in Romans 6 that he's dead? Well, if you read through Romans 5 and 6 and 7, Paul basically talks about this internal struggle. And he says, the things I want to do, I don't do. The things that I, I should do, I don't do. And the, one thing, the things that I don't want to do, I just keep doing them. Does that describe you? Is it, does that feel like you sometimes as you go about your life? You feel like, here's the things that I shouldn't be doing, and I just keep doing them. And here's the things that I should be doing, but I'm not doing them. Paul says, I struggle with that. But he says in the context here in Romans 6, he says, but the old man is dead. What he's saying is this. Why, how do we put off the old man, and why should we put off the old man if the old man is already dead? If the old man is already dead. The answer is, 
the old man may be dead. And the, the day that you came to Christ, you stopped being like the Gentiles. You stopped being like the pagans. You stopped being like that. And that's what Paul's saying. You used to be that way. That's not who you are anymore. He says, but you now have the ability to say no. What Paul is saying in Roman is, you used to be a prisoner, you used to be trapped. What did he say about the, the Gentiles? They were darkened in their minds. They couldn't say no. They, they were puppets. They were in prison. They, they couldn't change, but you can't. But what Paul's saying in Ephesians is, but that old man, that old way has, still has pull. It still has pull in your life. And so you have to be aware of that. You have to be aware that the old way of life has pull. So Paul's saying, we can put off the old self, but we have to understand that uh, it, it still has a pull. The good news is, what, what, what once we were powerless to do, now we have been empowered to put it off. So Paul basically would say, before I didn't even have a struggle. I mean, I just did bad things, and I just had a bad mind, and, and, and you know, just, that's just what, who I was. But now I have, I have this struggle, and, and it's driving me crazy, but at least I have this struggle, right? Um, Look at what it says in Ephesians 4.28. Because this is a great illustration of what Paul's saying. And, and it's really important for us to hear this. That putting off is only one step. And sometimes what we do, and the reason we don't have lasting change is we only do this put off step. And the put off step is important, but it can't be the only step we take. Look what he says, Ephesians 4.28. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer. That's putting off, right? If you're stealing, stop stealing. But notice what he says. But it must work, doing something useful with their hands, that they may have something to share with those in need. See, if you just put off, you won't find lasting change. Just putting things off isn't going to change you significantly. It won't. It can't help. For example, so this last summer, I had some this, these big, ugly hedges, and they just got bigger and bigger and bigger. I finally... Went out one day with a chainsaw and cut them down. And Carol looked at me and just kind of said, oh, there he goes again. And <laughs> I got rid of them and, and uh, actually had, fortunately, and the neighbor had a tree that needed to come down. And the guy had a stump thing and he ground it all down. And, and I said, well, okay. So then I kind of hoed up the ground a little bit and I just left it. and Because there was all these weeds and all these things there. And guess what grew up there? A whole bunch of weeds. Really bad weeds. And I said, well, okay, that didn't work. So then I just kind of tore the ground up some more. But this time what I did was I planted some seed there, some grass seed there. And so what I did was I didn't just put off the weeds. I put on the seed, the good seed. And what happened was I got some grass to grow there. And I still have some weeds there, but it's much, much better than it was. There's a, there's a grand improvement. And here's what I found, and maybe you found it too, there are a lot of churches that are all, they're all like hung up on this put off, put off, put off. And you always hear them say, no, 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 stop, 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 don't, don't, don't. And that's what they hear. We, we don't do this, we don't do this, we don't do this, stop doing this, stop doing this, stop doing this, no, 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 no. And they always have a list. It's always the nasty nine or the dirty dozen or, you know, there's always a list of this is what you can't do, you shouldn't do, you mustn't do, and, and it changes over time. But, uh, you know, I mean, the bottom line is uh, that's just putting off. And some churches are really, they love that first step, put off, put off, put off. And the pastor gets up there every week and preaches against all the different things, never talks about gluttony or, you know, those type of things. But, you know, he's got a list. 
But notice Paul adds a second step. Uh, he says in this passage, it's very interesting, he says, stop stealing. But then what does he say? He says, start sharing. Start working, start sharing. See, so, so it's really, his point is, we have to turn, off, turn away. We have to turn away. But we have to turn towards something. We can't just take the first step. We need to say, so what he's saying, essentially, it's very important he gets you. He's saying to really put off stealing, you have to put on generosity. Now, that's very different, isn't it? Just putting off stealing is enough. You have to change the way you think and, and stop being a, somebody who steals and somebody who is generous. That's a, that's a 180, right? That's a 180. All right, so, let's, so that's the first step, put off. What about putting on, putting on? Uh, if you have bad habits, behavior, and patterns in your life, you have to replace those bad habits, patterns, and behaviors in your life, those bad ones, with good ones. You so there's certain things you do. Like if you just, uh, let's just be real practical here. It's the start of a new year, and you cheated at Christmas, and you ate, and you were a little, you kind of overdid it. And you, you, you kind of now, you've been in this pattern of eating, and, and you say, well, this year I really want to get into better health. Okay, so what's your, you have to change your pattern. You have to change your pattern when you go to the store. You have to change your pattern when you're sitting down and when you were normally eating. How's that going to change? Uh, you need to not just stop. You need to change and do something new, something different. Um, the good news is we have the power to change now. Look at what Paul writes in Philippians chapter 2, verse 12. He says, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed me, not only in my presence, but also much more in my absence, he says, now this is the phrase I want you to see. And, and I would love you to, uh, this year, memorize this verse of Scripture. Uh, Philippians 2, 13. Notice what he writes. Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is, notice, God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. So Paul calls this process working out your salvation. That this is something that we join God in and he joins us in. And we work out together. That we don't do it on our own. Now again, this is really important. Because without the power of God in our lives, we can't do this. Now, I gave you, a, I wanted to give you a different translation, so I gave you the Net Bible. And because it really brings this out, what I want you to see. This is the same verse, Net Bible. The one bringing forth in you both the desire and the effort for the sake of his good pleasure is God. Now, what I want you to see is really important. Have there been times where you said, I want to change. I want to stop doing this. Or you say, I want to start doing this. I want to start doing this. But you don't feel like it. You don't have the desire. You don't, it's hard for you to get motivated to do it, right? We're there, right? You, you've been there, right? I have. Now, what do you do? Do you see what this verse is saying? It doesn't just say that God gives you the ability to do it or to stop doing it. It doesn't just say that. It says that God gives you the desire. He gives you the desire. When was the last time? You don't have to raise your hand. Think about this, whether you're in house or online. When was the last time 
that when you knew you should do something or stop doing something and you didn't feel like it, I mean, you just didn't have the desire to stop or you didn't have the desire to stop, uh, start something, that you stopped and you said, God, I don't want to do this. I don't feel like doing this. I don't have the desire to do this. You're going to have to help me here because I can't do this on my own. I mean, we always pray, God, I, you know, give me the ability to do it. But when was the last time you prayed, God, give me the desire? Because that's what Paul's saying. Paul says, I, God, you can pray to God and he won't just give you the ability. He will give you the desire. And I think oftentimes that's how we ought to pray. God, I need to put a stake down. I need to put a line down. But I don't want to. I don't have the desire. And I have to have that desire. And unless you give me that desire, I don't think I can do this now, you're doing a couple good things right there. You're acknowledging that you need God's power, and you're calling on him for help. And that's always a good thing to do. And what, if I'm reading this right, and I think I am, what Paul's saying in Philippians is, if you ask God, he will give you the desire and the ability to do what you need to do, to stop doing what you need to stop doing. Look at what it says. He says, encourage one another and build each other up, just as, in fact, you are doing. And this brings up uh, the, the last point. I, I, I just want you to say this. Not only do you need God, but you need one another. You can't do this alone. That's why we're really pushing. And some people have really pushed back on this as, we, as we've tried to, you know, over the last few years, we've tried to say, hey, get into a life group. Get into a group. Get into a group where people know your name and you know theirs and they're helping you and you're helping them and you're, you're kind of going a little deeper in the word of God and you're kind of doing the one and others, love one another, forgive one another, encourage one another, bear one another's burdens. You know, you need people in your life to do these things. You can't grow in isolation. You can't grow alone. You need each other and we want to help you. And let me just say this. If you're online and you're watching us right now, you're you're, and I don't, it could be 2 o'clock in the morning or 3 o'clock or whatever. And I, you're, just, you're kind of doing your, you know, it's Jesus and me and you're not connected. You can get connected virtually to a life group. You don't have to be in a physical. I mean, that's what this last year taught us, that we can do community via, you know, through, the, you know, through video. We can do that. It's not the greatest, but it works. And that may be the step that you take, that you say, hey, I want to get connected to a, a virtual life group. I want to get plugged into a, a video life group, and, and I want to get connected because I, need, I, I realize I don't just need God, I need other people. All right, here's the last thing we need to talk about. So, we need to put off, we need to put on. You can't just pull the weeds up, you got to plant some new grass, you got to change the habits, but... And we need God and we need others, but here's the third step. And this is really important. And it's kind of like the, the, the meat in the middle of the sandwich because he says, put off, put on. But he says, and change the way you think. Change the way you think. Now, this is really important because the battlefield of life change is your mind. The battlefield for change. If you have issues in your life, with anger, with fear, with sexual, uh, you know, all these struggles, all these things you're struggling with. You want to know where the battlefield is? It's in your mind. It's in your mind. That's where the battle is won or lost. It's in your mind. You need to reprogram your brain, your thinking. And that's why Paul says this. 
in Romans 12, 2. Okay, this is the second verse I want to encourage you to, to, to memorize this year. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Let me give you verse 1. Verse 1 says this. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice to God, holy and acceptable to God, for that is your reasonable service. That's Romans 1. That's a verse I memorized years ago. And basically, Paul's saying, you need to give yourself, your members, to God. You need to dedicate yourself to God as a sacrifice. Okay? And then he says this. This is verse 2. How, what does he say? Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then you'll be able to test and, and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. But notice that phrase, the renewing of your mind. The renewing of your mind. Could you say this year, could this be the stake, could this be the line that you say, this year I am going to renew my mind. On a, on a, if I can, a daily basis, but on a regular, regular, regular basis, I'm going to renew my mind. Maybe in a, multiple times in the day, I'm going to renew my mind. Now, what do we mean by renewing my mind? How do I renew my mind? I don't have this in your notes. You might want to write these down. First thing you have to do to renew your mind is you need to focus your mind. You need to focus it. Okay? It's really important that you focus your mind. All right, what do I mean by that? Write this verse down. 2 Corinthians 10.5. 2 Corinthians 10.5. Here's what 2 Corinthians 10.5 says. Take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. This last year, did you say things before you thought about them and regretted it immediately or shortly after? Guilty. Have you done things that you just, did? you go, why would I even do that? Have you acted out of passion, out of anger, out of fear, out of all these different things because you really didn't catch yourself? You just kind of went off. I did. Notice what he says here. Paul says, Take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Here's what I found. Imagine yourself getting on this huge horse. And all you have to control that horse is, you know, you have the, the reins, right? You control the horse with the reins. Probably your, and I'm not a horse person. I've been on them a few times. But, you know, and by the way, don't come up to me afterwards and give me a whole lecture on how to ride a horse. I don't really care. It's just a quick illustration. Hang on here, all right? But I know this, that if the horse is going like at a full gallop and you're going through a field and you see like a fence coming or you see some trees coming, uh, if you let go of the reins, that's not a good thing. You're going to be in trouble. You're going to get hurt and you're going to get hurt badly. Here's what, I think this is what Paul's saying. Your mind, you can grab the reins of your mind and you could stop it. You can turn it. You can direct it. You don't have to let it go off. That used to be who you were, but that's not who you are anymore. And we need to stop saying, that's just who I am. That's, I'm a hothead or that's just the way I was raised. No, no, no. James or Paul says you have to grab the reins and you have to stop it. 
some of you have allowed your hearts to go off this year. Now, in the Bible, it talks about your mind and your heart. And some pastors, and I've done it in the past, say, you know, we, what we believe up here needs to go down here. That's not the way the Bible teaches it. The Bible says your mind and your heart are really the same thing. It's who you are. It's your spirit. It's your soul. It's your mind. It's your heart. It's who you are. And what Paul is saying is you need to grab the reins and you need to get a hold of it. You need to focus it. You need to stop it. Some of you have allowed your heart to go off this year. And it's been angry. It's been fearful. It's been anxious. Have you, have, have you caught yourself? Have you, have you been around somebody who their words are just angry, 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 and you go, I just can't be around that person anymore. They're all angry all the time. And they're Christians, and their, their hearts are going off angry, or they're fearful. I'm afraid of this. I'm worried about this. I'm concerned about this. And you go, whoa. jealous have you been around people like that here's the thing and we have to catch this here you do not have to let your heart go off like that you don't have to let it go off that's the, the whole point of what he's saying put off put on stop thinking like you are now here let me let me just stop for a minute do you have somebody in your life, when they hear angry words, fearful words, anxious words, you know, jealous words, these words just going off, do you have somebody in your life saying, hey, you know, I'm hearing what you're saying. You sound angry. You sound anxious. You sound fearful. What's going on there? I've, you know, David, at one point, he says, and I don't know the verse, and I don't know the reference. Uh, I could look it up later, but it essentially is. He says, why are you worried, heart? You know what James, you know what David's doing at that point? David is basically pulling the reins in his heart and says, knock it off. Stop going off. Have you ever caught yourself where your, your heart is going off with anger or fear or, or anxiousness or, you know, these different things? And you say, no, 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 stop it, knock it off. The question is, well, how do you knock it off? How do you grab the reins? Well, here's, here's a couple quick practical things. Number one. Some of you need to stop watching certain TV programs or being on certain internet sites or Facebook or whatever. Angry people all the time and then you just get angry. Have you sat down sometime and you say, oh, I have a nice cup of coffee. I think I'll just turn on the news. And then by the end of the news, you're all upset. And you're all angry and you're mad at your wife and you're yelling and, you know, you go, what happened there? What, what happened there? Would you let go of the reins of your heart? And it went off. And you got to be like David. Say, no, no, no. Knock it off. You say, how do you do that? Here's the third verse that you need to memorize this year. Philippians 4.8. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, Whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think on such things. What is Paul saying? Get the reins. Take control back. 
Because as a follower of Jesus Christ, you get to do it. And with the power of God in your life and the power of community, you can do it. But you've got to catch yourself. And you've got to renew your mind. And you, you've got you've to put the positive things in because there's so many negative things out there today. Sometimes it means you have to separate yourself from negative people like that. Sometimes it means you, you find a friend and say, hey, would you be the friend that will call me out when you hear a worried heart, an angry heart, a, a fearful heart, an anxious heart? Would you call me out Just say, hey, I'm hearing this. Is that going on? Oh, yeah, you're right, man. Whatever is true, whatever is true, whatever is right. The second thing you need to do, and we'll close with this, is you need to feed it. You need to feed your heart. And that's the problem. We've allowed junk food to come in. We've allowed bad things to come in. It has all these added ingredients, and they're negative, and they're, they're fearful, and they're angry, and they're, you know, they're anxious, and we've allowed those to come into our lives. Notice what Jesus did when the tempter tried to bring negativity into his life. Uh, Matthew chapter 3 says, the tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. And Jesus says, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Feed your mind with God and his word. What's your plan for change for this year? Do you have a plan? Great time to get a, put a, put a, put a, put a, a stake in the ground, put a line in the sand, decide today that you're not going to be who you were last year, that you're not going to let your heart go off, that you're going to put off the old man, that you're going to put on the new man, that you're going to change the way you think, that you're going to take some specific steps and you're going to renew your mind every day. You're going to allow God's word and God's spirit and God's people to speak into your life and change you. Because when you do that, everything will change. Yes, you can change, but you can't do it alone. You need help. You need the power of God. You need his word. You need God's people. But if you use those and if you change your patterns, you will not be the same person next year that you are right now. And that's the goal, isn't it? Let's pray. Help us, Father, because without your help, we are powerless. We need you, we need each other, we need your word, we need our minds renewed. We need to put off, we need to put on. And Father, uh, help us to find one area of our life that we can change the patterns, the bad patterns, pull the weeds and plant the grass for new patterns of change. Because we need to do that and we need to do it today. Maybe we need to write that down on a piece of paper. Maybe we need to um, ask a friend to just check in on us from time to time to see how we're doing. But, Father, help us to be different people than we are today in a year. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.